You are listening to the Grown and Vegan Life Podcast, episode 15. Welcome to the Grown and Vegan Life Podcast. I am your host, Deetta Rohde. I am a breast cancer survivor and vegan health and wellness coach. I remove barriers for individuals who desire to transition to a vegan lifestyle or recover from illness. I believe that God created us to be healthy, and when we give our body what it needs and have the correct mindset, we can achieve and maintain optimal health. On this podcast, we talk about being vegan from the perspective of being healthy, and we take a deep dive into the other areas of our lives, like relationships, money, and mindset. The ultimate goal is to be whole and to experience joy in our lives, not just our eating. So we look at both practical and spiritual ways to experience optimal health. The main thing to remember is that nothing in this show is meant to replace medical advice from a trained professional. I am sharing my experience and the experience of my guests. Please use wisdom and take what you feel will work for you. Now, let's get started with today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. This topic is something that is a topic that I've kind of been talking about off and on over the course of this podcast. The initial conversation that I had about this, and we're talking about high blood pressure today, um, The initial conversation I had about this was, I have receipts, y'all. I have receipts. This vegan diet is really helping me. I was able to get off my blood pressure medicine. This is a medication that I was taking for about five years. And I was so excited. I had started to feel when I was taking it, I just felt like, man, I need to get off this. I'm doing better. I feel like I should be able to get off this medicine. So it was time for me to um, renew the prescription. And my doctor requested that I come in because she wanted to see me for a physical before she would automatically renew the prescription, which that's fine because I have something to talk to you about anyway. I want to get off this medicine. So I go in. She checks my blood pressure. Actually, her assistant checks my blood pressure. Blood pressure is great. It's really, really good. So she was happy to let me get off the medication. Now, I thought, because I had been researching before about getting off the medicine, because I really wanted to try to do it myself, but then I thought, no, I better work with my doctor and... The information that I was seeing is that, you know, you need to taper off of it. Don't just go cold turkey. Now, granted, I had been taking this for like five years, so my body had been used to it. But when I talked to her, she was just like, no, you can go ahead and just get off the medicine. I went ahead and did that, even though I felt... I don't know if that's right, but I went ahead and just did it. And that's why, as I mentioned in the last episode about being our own, or one before that, I think, about being our own health advocate, we need to follow up and we need to research ourselves as well. 
And if you feel something isn't right, follow that instinct. But because I was so excited about being off the medication, I went ahead and went for it. And things went great for about six weeks, but then they went terribly wrong. (laughs) It's like one of those things, and I don't wish it on anybody. High blood pressure, they call it the silent killer, but I don't come in agreement with that because I don't like to speak certain things over myself and I I advise you to be careful about things that you say. You know, I, um, it, but at the same time, I have learned firsthand that high blood pressure is really not anything, it's not something to play with, it's not really fun, and it's something that you just don't think that it's going to affect you in the way that it can. But it can really affect you. And when that's about that six months, which I was supposed to, when she let me off the medication, I was supposed to follow up in six weeks. I said six months, six weeks. I was supposed to follow up in six weeks. So I had just had that six week follow up y'all within a few days after that, that's when it changed. And it changed so quickly and so forcefully. It was like being hit by a truck. So um, it's very crucial to deal with high blood pressure and to um, work on it. But one of the things that I noticed is that over all of this time that I was initially diagnosed, now I had got diagnosed a while back before I ever started to take the medicine. I, when I first got diagnosed, I just refused to take the medicine because I'm one of those people that reads the fine print and the medicine that that person um, was trying to prescribe to me, I was like, there's no, I'm not taking that. (laughs) I don't know what you're thinking, but that's, I'm not going to take it. So I won't mention the medicine, but it didn't have a favorable outcome for my race. So I was thinking that that's probably not the the kind that I should be prescribed. But instead of talking with my medical, medical professional at the time, I just chose to just not do it. And that served me okay for a couple of years. But I was younger and I didn't feel like I, you know, I didn't really understand the, the importance And the danger of just not addressing it, if you choose the path of not taking medication, you need to be doing something else to deal with it, though. It's not, don't just sweep it under, try to sweep it under the rug because it's not one of those things that just can be swept under the rug. But for probably a couple of years, I just didn't do do anything with it. I kept doing the same, having my own lifestyle, having the lifestyle I was having, eating things that weren't healthy, drinking, you know, lots of alcohol and eating a lot of junk food, not really exercising, not really taking care of myself. There were periods of time that I probably tried to address it. I think I may have tried the DASH diet for a minute, but I didn't stick to it. And so, you know, it wasn't effective until one day. I found myself in the ER and then I was 
forced, like, yes, you need to start taking this medicine. So that's when I did start taking it, but it was a different medicine than I was originally prescribed. And I had had no issues with that. That medicine, it seemed to work really well. It was a low dose. I took it consistently and I never had any other issues. But when I became a vegan and after being on the vegan diet for over a year, I decided I wanted to be off that medication. I just felt like I don't want to take it. I don't like taking medication anyway. Um, so I was wanting to get off of it. So when I talked to the doctor and she was on board with it, I didn't think any issue. But over that course of time, being diagnosed twice, really, no one ever really talked about why, why do you have high blood pressure? And no one has ever addressed that. Not one time. And I, until recently, never really thought about it. I just, I didn't really understand why do people have high blood pressure anyway? What does this come from? And really what I have discovered in my recent interaction with medical staffing is that there are certain pockets or categories that doctors and medical professionals tend to place people in based on their race, based on their age, based on their situations. And that is something that really gets under my skin. I don't like it per se. Um, you also will hear things about genetics and different things like that. Um, so it's like you get locked into a certain diagnosis or outcome based on what the statistics may say about your life. And if, and they'll just automatically treat you in a certain way. And that I really don't like that. I feel that people should be addressed individually Things should be researched, people should be tested, and you know, we should not be just lumped into one category just because of I'm African American or I'm this and I'm this age and I've had this and so because of this it's gonna be this outcome. That doesn't necessarily have to play out in everybody's life the same way. So we really, you know, that's something that I wish would change. I don't like the way that works. I, I, you know, I just, I really don't. All right. So when I was confronted with that thought of why do we have high blood pressure? Um, I never had any information or like I said, I never had anybody ask me why. I never thought about it before, but. I recently, um, you know, back when I was having the issues and I told you the six weeks, um, the checkup, and then a few days later, and then I had the issue. And so then I had to get back on the medication. Um, even after being on the medication that I normally took, this is why it's so important to do this the right way. I was t only taking one pill 
and it was fine for five years or whatever. I got off the medication and when I went back, even after I started back taking it, it was I had to, it was like I had to take more to get it to be normal. Now I didn't have to stay with that, but I had to take more initially. Then even after getting that tapered off and then taking it normal again, I had another issue where it elevated on me. So I'm like, okay, what in the world is going on? This hasn't been, this wasn't happening before. So why is it happening? You know, why did it happen this time? So this is what got me to thinking and started to, you know, cause me to look at this because let me just say, whenever that happens, it is not the best feeling at all. It feels horrible whenever your blood pressure spikes and you, it just feels bad. You feel bad. And, you know, it can cause, it's the dangerous disease or whatever they want to call it, a condition. It can be very dangerous. And when I was looking at statistics, you know that, you know, I'm African-American. I'm a black woman. It's more, it's higher in African-American people. But it's very high in other races as well. And I found, I was looking on the CDC website, the lowest population is Hispanic. Hispanic uh, population is like 39%. But other, like Asian, Caucasian, African-American are higher. So this is an issue that is prevalent. It's not just something that's just, oh, you know, but several people have this condition in their life. And so I just wonder why people don't ask the question, what is the core source of it? Why do you have high blood pressure? What causes this? And so when I started to look at that, because that, after I had that second issue with the elevating, I said, no, I have got to get to the bottom of this because I can't feel like this. It takes you out. It really takes you out to where you just feel like I can't do anything. Can I move? Can I, you know, and it feels like you could die. You feel, (laughs) I mean, it just is a bad feeling. Um, When your thoughts go through my thoughts, go through your head and just all kinds of craziness. So I really was like, I have got to get this together. I cannot feel like this. So um, that caused me to start to want to understand it better. Start to want to know why. I started to do some digging. Now, even with medicine, I always try to look for a holistic approach to everything. That's just me. That's how I roll. I don't like to, I don't like a super clinical approach to it. I want to know all the areas, all the things that can help me with this. So one of the things that as I was looking, because I went first, I want to read, I want to get information. So my first um, point or plan of attack was I got to find a book. I want to write, read about this. I want to study up on this. I want to get to the bottom of this. Why is this happening? 
information is not coming through in a 10 minute consultation in a doctor's office, obviously I'm not getting information. Um, so when I went to look for information, I wasn't finding anything that was coming from the angle that I wanted to approach it. I was just hearing, you know, a lot of books are just the same thing. They're just talking about the DASH diet. They're just talking about the, you know, the same information is regurgitated. I need to know the holistic. I want to know the core root of it. Why do people have this? What is the cause? So I started to, you know, look, I didn't see a book that I really wanted. There may still be something out there, but I found some information actually on YouTube that I really grab a, grabbed a hold of. I also, when I was looking for a book, a book was kind of highlighted to me just out of the blue. Now I say that's from Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in that, then, you know, but that's, I always pray about my health. I've shared that with you before. And so when I was praying about it and then I went to look for the book, this book just highlighted it wasn't about high blood pressure. It was about vitamin D. The book is called The Vitamin D Solution. Now I've seen this out in the store and I realized I already have that book, but I haven't read it yet. So I just went ahead and, you know, I didn't find a book, another book that I wanted. I didn't get that one, of course, because I already had it. So I came home, started to look, I did some searching on YouTube, put, I said, okay, vitamin D solution came to mind, highlighted to me in the store. Let me just see what connection is vitamin D to high blood pressure? Well, to my surprise, there is a connection. Vitamin a, a deficiency in, in vitamin D can be connected to high blood pressure. Whenever I've had blood work done, I've always gotten a result of vitamin D deficiency. I would say, without knowing for sure, without taking a, a poll of people, I would estimate that most African-American people have a vitamin D deficiency. The reason is because the sun, we need the sun. Usually we get that from the sun. And if you wear a lot of clothes or if your skin is darker, any darker race may have a challenge with getting enough vitamin D from the sun. So, and then if you're not of a darker race and you're out in the sun, but you wear a sunblock, I don't know that that's really helping with getting the vitamin D into your skin. So when I started to look for that and, and discovered that and realized vitamin D deficiency, yes, that's check and check, high blood pressure, check and check. So that led me to dig a little deeper and find out that Vitamin D deficiency is more important than I realized. Now, I had started learning about vitamin D. That's why I got the book, but I just hadn't read it yet. I had started learning about vitamin D because of immunity. I wanted to help with my immune system. 
And, you know, most of the time, all the information I had ever heard was about vitamin C. But then I realized, learned that vitamin D is very important to our immune system as well. I had just kind of taken the vitamin D deficiency as, okay, yeah, I'll take a supplement, take one pill a day. But that still wasn't helping to get the vitamin D level up. And I'm sorry, but the I the doctors that I've had in the past that have seen the vitamin D deficiency, they always say take one supplement, one pill a day, and that's it. It's like, oh, just take, they're just like no, so nonchalant about it without really being aggressive and say, we need to get that level up. Nobody has ever done that when really it's very important to get your vitamin D levels up. Another connection with that, and I guess I'm a little fired up about it because the thing of it is vitamin D is so important. It has even a connection with cancer and it helps to fight against that. So I've heard a story, now I can't go back and say about my experience, but I would guess that if my vitamin D wasn't deficient, that I may have not even had that happen to me or, you know, experienced breast cancer. But I have read or listened to a testimonial of a woman who also went through breast cancer. And she specifically said that if my vitamin D levels would not have been low at the time, I would not have, I can very pretty much strongly say that I wouldn't have gotten breast cancer. So that's someone else's testimony, but I can connect with that because my vitamin D level was also low during that time. So that is why I'm very passionate about this and saying vitamin D is important. Getting the vitamin D level is important. But when I have been told that my vitamin D level was low. It has never been an issue that was addressed aggressively. And that is why I say clinical, a clinical approach to health is really only about addressing sickness, not in preventing sickness. And that needs to change. But with all of that, I will say that I have taken a new approach with vitamin D and I have under, I have began to understand the importance and I want you to know this. I'm sharing this because it's so important. If you have gotten information on blood work and I really suggest, you know, I suggest this in my course as well, but I suggest that if you should get blood work done at least once a year, because it tells you information about what's going on in your body and we can if you are like me you can get that blood work done and see maybe some areas that maybe are low and just keep going on about your business and not really understanding the importance of addressing certain deficiencies within your body or if there are things that are high like uh you know Cholesterol, that's debatable as far as cholesterol, the danger of that. I'm still learning about that. But blood sugar, vitamin D, different things like that. 
Your blood work will help you to understand what you need to be focused on. Your body changes periodically. A diet that may have worked for you six months ago may not be the same diet that you need at this time. So it's really important to get your information, know your numbers, and and, and, and tailor your health and your eating and all of your habits around that. So with the vitamin D deficiency, if you have that, if you've been told that, this is not really a game. (laughs) This is not something that we can just take one pill and move on and think that that's going to fix it. I was taking one pill back then and it still never elevated. So I started to dig into that and realize there are some doctors. Now I follow a doctor on YouTube, Dr. Berg. So some of this information that I'm sharing is going to be really from things that I learned from him. But he talks about taking high doses of vitamin D. And he talks about how that your vitamin D levels cannot, it can take months to get them elevated. And just taking, you know, one pill a day is probably not going to do it if you're deficient. He talks about taking up to 50,000 or maybe 10,000 IUs, I believe it is, of this of vitamin D. Now, I'm not prescribing this. I'm not a doctor or anything, but I really suggest digging into it and researching what you need to do because you know it's possible to take up to like 15 50,000 IUs and it not be harmful now I think there's debate on that there may be a time frame that you do it maybe you don't do it forever Um, I'm not necessarily going for that high of a number but I am increasing the amount of the vitamin D Now, I know some people don't agree with taking supplements. We feel that we should be able to get everything from food, and that would be great if that's possible. But if you're not doing it, because vitamin D um, is important. You can get it from various foods. But there are some times when we're not getting enough of of the nutrient from the food, then we need to supplement. And so I eat healthy foods, as much as I can, but also supplements, use supplements. So increasing vitamin D is important. If, you, if you're deficient, it has a connection with high blood pressure. It has a connection with um, your immune system. And also, I believe that it has a connection with fighting off certain diseases. In this book, Vitamin D Solution, now, I haven't read it thoroughly but there is information talking about how vitamin D can it um, eliminates or shrinks cancer cells. So it eats away in certain cancers. So it's important to have that vitamin and to have it at the right level. It can help to keep you healthy. When you are taking high doses of vitamin D, there's another vitamin that Dr. Berg suggests and this vitamin, I've, I've also heard other people talk about it, and it seems like a very powerful one that I never really thought of, never heard of, but it's vitamin K2. Now, vitamin K2, it works with vitamin D, 
So if you're going to take more of your vitamin D, you very you really want to take the vitamin K2 as, as well. It's different from vitamin K1. So if you just see vitamin K, you want to make sure you're getting the right one. So vitamin K2. Now this vitamin, it transfers calcium from the wrong place into the right place. So basically it pulls the calcium to go to our bones to make our bones stronger instead of the calcium building up in other parts of our body like our arteries, on our teeth, as, as plaque or tartar, in your eyes, as cataracts. So it's important and even in our joints, calcium can build up in our joints and cause stiffness. So this vitamin can help to pull the calcium and put it into the right area where it's supposed to go in our bones so that our bones will be strong. Vitamin K2 and vitamin D work together, but the only issue that he said he did mention is that if you have an issue with your gallbladder, then you may have to take an additional supplement to help those other vitamins be absorbed. Because one thing about vitamins, it's about absorption. We can take them all day long, but if we're not absorbing them, they're not going to help us and they're just going to just go right back out. So if you're having an issue with your gallbladder, if you don't have a gallbladder, then you may have trouble dissolving or absorbing them or digesting them. So that's something else to consider. The other supplement that I learned about in this journey of managing and correcting healing high blood pressure, my goal is ultimately to be off medication, but I'm not going to jump off of it until I can get it in the right place. Because I tell you, I don't want to deal with it (laughs) no other way. But the other supplement, and this is the last one that I've learned about so far, I will continue to share as I learn. This is my journey. But magnesium, magnesium. Now I had learned about, I had heard about magnesium before, but every time I read it, I talked myself out of taking it because the information that I would see would say, oh, it can cause your blood pressure to go too low if you're already on medication. Well, okay, (laughs) I just couldn't figure out how to work it together. But one thing that I I decided to go ahead because the information about it was so powerful that I was like, I've got to try this. I've got to do this. I've got to incorporate it because magnesium deficiency can really show up in various ways. Eye twitching and my eye was twitching the other day. (laughs) It helps your heart rhythm. It's something that helps also helps vitamin D be absorbed better. And it helps with your blood pressure. It also helps with stress and relaxation. We all probably could use some of that. So vitamin or magnesium is a very good supplement to take. And it works well with the vitamin D, the vitamin K formula. There are different kinds of vitamin or different kinds of magnesium. So depending on your issue, you want to 
research which kind. Now there is one, I think that's magnesium citrate. That is one that if you're having issues with diarrhea, or I'm sorry, with constipation that you want to take that, but it can cause you to have diarrhea. So that is one that, you know, you might want to take in small doses, but the one that helps with the stress and relaxation and the one that is really for your heart and high blood pressure is the glycinate, magnesium glycinate. There are other kinds. You can search YouTube, you can search Google and, you know, go through them, but there's various ones. But the one that I've implemented and the one that is for that relaxation is the glycinate. So I know I've shared a lot today about all of this, but I just wanted to bring you on this journey with me. If you have high blood pressure, if you've dealt with it and you just never want, you never even thought why, maybe you've been told it's genetic, but something about genetics, I believe that I, that with genetics, it, we can determine the expression of those genetics in our lives. We don't have to be locked into a history that's just because it happened to so-and-so that it has to happen to me. We don't have to walk it out that way. It does help to know information, but it can be expressed in a different way within our body. So I think it's time out for us as individuals to time out for us just to listen to what people are telling us without doing our own due diligence and researching our own health, researching information for ourselves because it can determine life or death. There are some people who just push you through a system or will try to just push you through a system as if you are just another product on a shelf. This is your life. This is your life livelihood. This is your longevity. So you have to take your own, you have to be a participant in it. You have to engage in it. And if you have a medical professional that's not engaged with you, it may be time to change and get somebody else because you're not just a product on a shelf. You're not just another number. You're not just a person to be locked you know, looped into some type of system, put on some type of track that you're going to follow and, you know, roll out certain things. No, you are individual. You have a purpose. You have life. And you need to work with your, you know, you need to work with your own internal wisdom. And if you are a believer, pray and ask God to give you the wisdom to live the best life that you can, to be as healthy as you possibly can, and do your best. We have to take part in our health. We have to take part in, in doing what we need to to be reach optimal health. I believe everyone should be healthy. I believe that we all can be healthy and it takes work. The older we get, I think it takes more work. Sometimes when you're younger though, it, it's 
really these days, it's not really based on age. It's just based on, we just have to think about what's going in our body, how we treat our body, our environment. You know, I've also incorporated deep breathing and just quietness. I use essential oils in my diffuser to help me to relax and create an environment of peace. Not walking in drama, not walking in chaos, not walking in, you know, worry and fear. Journaling, doing those types of things, all of these things to help us to be healthy. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that this helped you. I really hope that you will take to heart this information. And if you ever have any questions, please feel free to visit me at grownandvegan.com and send me a message. You can also message me on any of my social media platforms at Dieta Rohde on Facebook, Grown and Vegan at Facebook, and Grown and Vegan on Instagram. Until next time, God bless. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Grown and Vegan Life podcast. For more great content, visit grownandvegan.com. If you are interested in changing to a vegan lifestyle but don't know where to start, check out the grownandvegan.com shop tab and take my beginner vegan course. Or if you are past the beginner phase and are ready to take your journey farther, schedule a coaching session with me. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.